I'm Paul Weegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts, and your host today for Delaware State of the Arts. Joining me remotely is Sarah Ganter, the Executive Director of the Rehoboth Art League. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So glad to have you uh, join. We're, we're talking by Zoom today, which seems to be the software of choice in the COVID era. Uh, I really appreciate your taking time out of your day uh, today to, to chat. Uh, Rehoboth Art League is so important of an organization in uh, the beach area, not only for artists, but also for the, uh, the summer tourism season and the thousands upon thousands of visitors that normally uh, come to Rehoboth. And I know a lot of your largest activities center around the summertime. Uh, let's uh, take a look at uh, how COVID has impacted your operations uh, as well as your membership, which is a membership of artists. Uh, let's go back to late February, early March. Uh, what did you hear when, and what were some of the early uh, ac actions you had to take with that? Um, well, of course, we were planning for the best year ever on record um, with event, new events and programs. But um, as we started to hear things, um, from state and local entities, we realized mid-March that we needed to close the campus. Um, so basically this, the pandemic has sort of turned everything upside down for us in terms of, um, you're right, we are very seasonal being at the beach. So not being sure if we can count on that level of activity this year is really difficult to plan around. Um, a couple of our big events happened during the summer months. We were looking forward to one, a new one in May, um, that's in collaboration with the city of Rehoboth, and that was gonna be the city, the town's first boardwalk arts festival. So unfortunately, we, with city closures, we definitely had to call that one off. So uh, that we will hold that next year, um, so we're looking forward to that, but that was canceled pretty quickly. Um, we always host our cottage tour of art in July, and that's a collection of selected private homes that um, showcase private collections, architecture, landscape uh, design, things like that. That that's a tough one. We've we're trying to postpone that until the fall. Of course, things could change between now and then, but. There are a lot of concerns about how many people are gonna be there. We've, a couple of homeowners have concerns about traffic in the houses um, and that's understandable. So we're trying to work around that one, but I'm sure that it's not gonna be at the scope we had hoped for. Um, we're also probably like every other arts group is encountering a lot of the businesses that support us through sponsorships of the events with their closure, they're not able to support us. They just don't have the money to um, do some charitable giving right now. So, um, and we're also looking at the outdoor show, which is our biggest event in August. That's usually the first two weekends. And we bring in about 150 artists that are juried from all over, a lot regionally, but they come from Canada and Florida and California. Um, we get thousands of people coming to that event and um, we're looking at models that we could do it virtually. I, I'm not sure by August we'll be in a position to 
have a thousand people gathered at once. Um, it doesn't seem possible right now, but every everything's changing every day. So we're keeping an eye on that. And also just coordinating, I, I would imagine coordinating the artists who come in from all over the place would be a challenge. The concerns yeah. about travel and, and all that. Yeah, concerns about, um, you know, they're not, they weren't wanting people to cross state lines. We have that issue. Um, we have an issue that the artists who's, who really do the festivals all year long, because so many of them have been canceled this spring, they don't have the income to be able to commit to our show, which is usually in the form of a booth fee. Um, so they don't have the money up front to be able to participate and then recoup and make well beyond that. So that's an issue. We also, as part of the show, um, coordinate housing for artists. It's, it's a really tight market in the summer months for people to come visit during that time. And the hotels are like astronomical. <laughs> um, yeah. And our artists really, there are very few of them that get a hotel room while they're here. Um, we rely on generosity of Art League supporters and they usually host artists for us. So they'll put them up in spare bedrooms and um, that's a real service to the artists. But if people are uncomfortable hosting our artists in their house, just with health issues, that last year we put up 40% of the artists in housing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a huge thing for the artists. And yeah. we have heard from some of them that if, if I can't count on your housing to be coordinated, I can't come, I just can't afford it. So right. this is, um, this is the real deal for the artists. It's not, it's not good. Right, and, and then you have the issue with the artists for, for uh, some of those supporters who have historically housed your artists, you know, the concerns about having someone from outside come into their home. Uh, during right. this time of physical distancing and, you know, our, you know I, I would imagine some of them are retirees. So, you know, they're recognized as one of the vulnerable populations. Correct. Yeah, yeah. so. Uh, some real challenges there. You also alluded to something which I, I think is important to, to really emphasize, and that is not only how much the Rehoboth Art League depends on these summer activities, but also how much the artists that participate depend on these activities. Could you speak to that? Um, yeah, the artists that get juried in for the outdoor show, and I try to be objective about this, but uh, you know, of course, I think the Art League is a great place, but the artists really uh, see our show as sort of top tier. Um, we really pay attention to jury and top level people. Um, and the crowds know that. So we are frequently told by the artists, your show is great because it's a, it's, it's a buyer's show. Um, I don't have to worry about setting up my artwork and people browsing the whole time, they come and they buy. Mm -hmm. um, so that's good and that's important to us. Also for the artists, we've really had to adapt and it's not in a bad way. I think if there's something positive to come out of this, it has forced the Art League to sort of take a baby step into the 21st century. We're considered such a sort of historic organization, not just because of the buildings and the campus, but it's pretty old school. Like you go there, you walk into the gallery and you see what we have. With this going on, we tried to quickly adapt for online gallery sales. So 
luckily we had a, a gallery software in place that allows us to transition it to online sales. Um, so this was, we were forced to experiment with that. So this will be in the future a service we can continue to provide to artists um, who are selling with us, not just that your work will be on the gallery, but we can put it online too. So that expands our reach. Now, I'm curious, what are the logistics of taking what you have in your gallery <laughs> and making them available online? I mean, it's not just, it's not just flipping a switch and okay, here's no. what we have. It, it's hundreds, literally hundreds of pieces of artwork in there. Um, it's everything from large scale oil paintings to um, sort of like G clay prints, there's pottery, there's hundreds of pieces of jewelry. Um, it's anything you could think of. So it's, we've been able to spend some of our off campus time photographing it. That's, that's the time consuming part is sort of making sure you have an image of everything. Um, so we've been spending time doing that. So it's not, it's not been downtime for us for sure. And then I'm assuming not only the photographing, but you, I would imagine you also have to come up with a, some kind of a description of each piece, dimensions and that sort of thing, the media yeah. and so on. Yes. So there's, there's plenty of work to be done, but I think we've gotten a good start in it so that whenever we're able to reopen, we can sort of be better about keeping up with it. And there's so much artwork that moves through the galleries. It, it would be an impossibility to guarantee everything would be also listed online, but I think it's a good start. And if we can get some of it up there, um, it, it's good to diversify what we're doing a little bit. And if this happens again, we're, we're on it. Um, the classes have been a challenge to transition to remote learning. Not everything translates well, um, mm -hmm. like ceramic classes when, I mean, you can't really have those supplies at home, or few people do, right. Um, right. would have a wheel and all the supplies you need. Um, there are some sort of demos and paint-alongs that have slowly been transitioning to, to Zoom formats, like you said. Um, but again, not every teacher is prepared for how that dynamic is different than the in-person class. Mm -hmm. You can't just walk around and see what everyone's doing and comment on it. You need to really prepare um, for the video format. Right. I, I want to pursue this a little bit uh, more because I, I think it's a really interesting topic and it, it has real ramifications for our schools that are closed as well. Mm -hmm. so let me first remind our listeners that you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Joining me remotely today is Sarah Ganter, the Executive Director of the Rehoboth Art League. Uh, Sarah, this whole notion of teaching remotely, you brought up the point, and I was just on a call the other day uh, with some educators about the challenge uh, with uh, arts educators trying to sustain some kind of instruction with students who now are at home all the time and you can as you said you can't assume that they have the the art materials in their home so i'm wondering how much uh, i was hearing from school teachers about how much instruction they're having to change uh, because they can't make these assumptions that students have crayons and scissors and and paints and 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 so on uh, what kind of uh, adaptations have your instructors had to make um, we're sort of looking at exploring more lecture courses. We just started a series of art history classes um, within the past probably 
six months or so. Um, and that's interesting because you don't need to come with a lot of supplies. You need to come and listen to the instructor, share knowledge and have a dialogue about it. Um, we're sort of talking about maybe we could do some um, boxed kits, should you not have the supplies at home to be able right. to do it right away that, you know, we can mail it to you, we can do curbside drop off, you could do what when we're able to open, you could do a pickup. Um, but there are a lot of nuances to the, the virtual learning that they're hard to get around for some things, at least in, in the traditional arts. But to the credit of our teachers, they're really now like picking it up and they're sort of on a roll with being able to think up new classes to offer. We've been doing color theory, a couple drawing classes we've offered. We're doing a series of, a weekly series of watercolor paint along, which is like a demo and paint along with different themes. And probably like every other organization, we've, we've tried to up the game on the, the social media content. Um, today, just earlier today, we had, we've been doing a weekly lunchtime in the studio with a selected member artist. So today our artist was Steve Rogers and he's based in Lewis and is well known around this area for his, um, he does a lot of boats and water scenes. So it's basically a, a live hour on Facebook where you get to watch the artist in their studio work and explain how they bring a piece together and just what their materials are. People can type in questions as they're working and say, what was that paint you used? Or how do you prepare your canvas before you paint on it? So those have been interesting. And um, the people that, that have tuned in are really, they're grateful for the opportunity to, to see the person work. So now let me ask you, you mentioned Steve Rogers, but uh, the Rehoboth Art League is a membership organization. What are yes. you hearing from the individual artists that are members of, of the league and how they've been uh, impacted, how they've been adapting? Um, our members have been really great. They're still making sure their memberships are up to date and they're asking when they can um, get new work into the gallery. They were... <laughs> Our exhibitions director was a little overwhelmed once we announced the online sales gallery <laughs> because okay. all all the member artists were contacting him saying, how can I get my stuff in there right away? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's good. We're providing an additional service and they want to use it. Um, but we've, you know, membership is going strong and um, people have been very supportive through that aspect of our, our organization. Well, and you may have touched on it, but one of the advantages of the online sales is that you can increase the quantity of artwork that you're presenting for sale. Right. right. Yeah. That's true. But I don't, I don't know how many more hundreds we could get on there. I was going to say there's, there's a, a limited capacity in processing what it is, what That's it is right. you're putting online. And That's it also brings up a interesting, uh, I'm not sure how it's going to pan out. Um, we have some member artists that do large, large scale silk screens um, who have said they've had a lot of success with online sales with prints and stuff like that. But I think we need to just wait and see what happens in terms of the medium, the price point. I'm not sure what the threshold is for people being willing to purchase online. It's very different than walking into our gallery and seeing an impressive four by six painting on the wall uh, right, by itself right. and yeah. envisioning how that could look in your home. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure how it'll play out or what the, 
where that point is for people about I'll buy a piece of jewelry, but maybe not the $2,500 painting. Speaking of your, your galleries, um, the, the uh, state is dealing with some phased reopenings, you know, what that might look like. How, um, how does a phased reopening, a phase one, two, three, how does that impact an organization like the Art League? Um, well, actually, we've been working on that now for a while since they've announced the phased reopening plan, how each phase would sort of mesh up with our activities. Uh, so for example, you know, right now our buildings are closed. Um, they can't, I, I have to admit when I do stop by to get the mail or pay the bills, there is always someone there walking the grounds. And if you haven't been there before, we have about three and a half acres. Um, there's a formal garden out back of the historic house and people just really enjoy the site. Um, so I, I haven't been able to stop them from dropping in to enjoy right. it, but um, the buildings are closed. Once we get to a, the sort of phase one where they're saying it's gatherings of 10 people, I think our options will open up a little bit, but there are a lot of concerns. The, of course, one is how many people can be in the gallery at one time mm -hmm. if they're stopping by to look around. Um, our class size luckily is pretty small. Um, and does not exceed 10 people. So that might be an option for us to be able to continue that in some form. Um, another consideration is we have several um, studio groups that meet on campus all the time. So our sketch group has been meeting for 50 plus years every week on campus. Um, that's usually within 10, 15 people. They'll be able to limit their activities. We have an open studio for pottery that meets several times a week, or it's open several times a week, and we get a ton of people coming through there. So we'll we'll really need to limit um, whether it's through signups or first come first serve how our members are getting in to to do their work independently. Um, we have the print studio is a digital print lab, and we run that in partnership with the Coastal Camera Club. Um, they had some meetings this morning about how that might work. Um, it's kind of tight quarters at the computer there, but we might be able to work that out. And then our last group is a, a writer's group and um, you know, we'll, we'll need to ask them to limit participation or offer that they could meet virtually on our, our Zoom account. So we're sort of figuring it out like everyone else. So it sounds like you'll, you're uh, throughout the phases, you'll be able to uh, reinstate a number of your programs, just perhaps on either a smaller scale or a, uh, uh, I would imagine scheduling is going to be more of a challenge, uh, making sure that uh, you're being, you're fitting in these, these programs right. with the, the number of people. That you can get right. And, you know, some things will postpone, um, unfortunately, the exhibitions that were scheduled, scheduled to open in March and in May um, were postponed until 2021. Mm -hmm. um, we might have one more that we'll reschedule in the fall, but we're trying to keep our major sort of favorite shows on the, the calendar, like our member show. So the next one would be our members fine craft show that opens uh, mid June. And we're hopeful that we'll be able to um, operate in order to get the artwork in safely um, we've planned to have artwork drop off and pick up in a separate building. So we're trying to take precautions. Um, 
we're hopeful that we can reopen during the craft show. Good. Just uh, we've got a couple minutes left. I want to shift gears here just for a, for a minute. Uh, the Rehoboth Art League is inextricably linked with the business community of Rehoboth, mm -hmm. and uh, you mentioned the the restaurants and so on earlier on. What are you hearing from the business community of Rehoboth? Um, we, you know, some of the events that we produce every year that I mentioned, like the cottage tour and the outdoor show. Um, the local chamber actually gauges hotel um, occupancy with our event in mind, like we're listed in the stats oh. for August. So, and we know that people come to town and schedule vacations around our events. Um, so, in but you're right, even the restaurant um, industry, you sort of come to the opening at the Art League and then you go out to dinner. Uh -huh. So, all these things, and it, it's not just the Art League, but even the theater places in downtown Wilmington, the, the restaurants depend on that sort of reciprocal relationship. Um, the restaurants, I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to go. I've heard a lot of different things. I've heard 25% occupancy um, yeah. as a starting point, but yeah. I just, it's all around tough. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, before we, before I forget, before we sign off, uh, I want to give you a chance to let our listeners know how they can find out more about the Rehoboth Art League, particularly your online sales. Go oh ahead. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, well, the campus is currently closed, but right. the galleries are online and we have classes online. So rehobothartleague.org is the website where you can find class registration or link to the online sales gallery or links to all the stuff we still have planned coming up on the calendar. Great, good. Our guest today has been Sarah Ganter, the Executive Director of the Rehoboth Art League. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much.